Hello everyone out there in podcast world. You are listening to the Service Business Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Tersh Blissett. This is the podcast for the service business owner, the service manager, and technicians who are considering becoming business owners. My goal with this podcast is to ask the questions that you didn't know to ask uh, from industry experts. Sometimes they're CEOs of businesses. Uh, sometimes they're just really good at sales. With that being said, let's get started with today's interview. Hello, everyone out there in podcast world. You're listening to the Service Business Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Tersh Blissett. Today's episode, we have something super exciting. So we've talked about hiring in the past. I feel like I talked about hiring a lot because in our industry, we are always hiring. Uh, at least we should be always hiring or um, talking to people constantly. Even if it's not something that you need to be doing right now, you still need to be preparing to hire, uh, have those relationships built with people. I feel like personally, I feel like you should be reaching out to people every day. Um, and when you interact with someone, say it's a waiter or a waitress, and they just have a great personality. I don't think you should let that person just slip through the cracks. Uh, I think that you should at least earmark that person in your mind. Uh, there are certain ways to keep track of that person, maybe mentally or you know actually keeping track of them. And when it comes time to hire for a position, you already have that perfect person kind of already picked out, in my opinion anyways. Um, so with that always being in the back of my mind, uh, I'm always excited to talk to somebody that is surrounded by HR and hiring and everything. And so that's what we have today. We have Chad Troutman with uh, Cintio, and they just happen to be not too terribly far from us, a, a couple hours away in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, welcome to the show, Chad. Ah, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. And uh, of course, I'm, I'm also excited to talk about uh, hiring today, uh, especially on the... Uh, the sales side of the world, uh, you know, so much of what uh, we do to keep uh, small businesses in business is selling, selling not only the service, but selling ourselves. And uh, so, you know, kind of everything revolves around sales, uh, whether it's even while you're in the middle of a deal and actually providing service to someone. So um, thank you for having me. Really excited to talk to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about yourself. I think uh, I've seen somewhere that you, did you go to Alabama? Yes, uh, as a glutton for punishment, uh, not only did I go to Alabama once, but I decided after a few years to go uh, two more times. So uh, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, you know, and uh, and anybody that teases me about it, I was there during the bad football years and the good ones. So oh, that's uh, cool. <laughs> I, I got to come back for some of the good ones towards uh, the the beginning of Saban's career. But uh, yeah, a little bit about me. Um, I'm I'm originally from Charleston, South Carolina. Moved all around the Southeast and. Then eventually uh, ended up living in the Boston area for about mm. six years um, and have been in the tech community there for quite some time on the uh, sales and marketing side. And uh, I'm fortunate enough that uh, my wife and I always wanted to come back uh, to my home here in Charleston. So we are currently in that tra uh, transition. I'm here. She's there uh, uh. selling the house, buying a new one, all kinds of good stuff. But uh, uh, excited to, to be down here um, 
with uh, the, the the tech community in Charleston is starting to grow and uh, got uh, an opportunity to be a part of a, a great organization here that's uh, that honestly its mission is to help uh, small businesses build their best teams and hire the best people. So, um, you know, hopefully I'll be able to provide some good insights, not only in regards to, you know, how Sentio can help uh, the current organization that I'm with, but also uh, pass along some knowledge that I've acquired over the years in hiring uh, inbound uh, sales folks, outbound sales folks, and then uh, folks that uh, are external. So actually out in the field uh, doing sales. So um, really happy to, again, to hop into some of that knowledge because there are some, uh, you know, some conventional and unconventional ways. Uh, that small mm-hmm. businesses can not only hire but retain uh, top talent. Uh, you know that uh, that are affordable because uh, as yeah. small businesses, we are always, uh, of course, uh, watching watching our cash flow and what we're spending mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. So uh, there is a way to compete with the bigger companies in town uh, for oh, sure. Cool. This top talent. So with that being said, uh, if you're hiring an inbound salesperson, do you find that, that someone based on salary is easier or straight commission? It, in my mind, I feel like, uh, it's cheaper to hire someone based on straight commission because it depends on their performance. But uh, would you agree with that or, or what's your thoughts on that? Well, it all depends on your your, your pricing model, uh, of okay. course, because, um, and, and what your, what your, sales and marketing strategy is of course if you're if you're relying if you're if your pipeline is being generated by somebody doing cold calls mm-hmm. then you want to make sure that yeah you know, i mean regardless you have to make sure that you're able to feed them and, and in yeah. more than one way feed them from a cash standpoint but feed them prospects so mm-hmm. um really it, it, it is uh it is a complex answer to this but uh, to okay. give an example <laughs> Um, what, uh, what I've had the best success with is starting off, um, well, regardless, I like to have some sense of base salary, um, and a, the, the sliding scale on base salary is what I found to be the most effective starting that base salary higher, uh, Mm. in month one and two and three, and then declining from there. Um, and even, even some cliffs there in month two and month three, because when you look at, uh, and especially somebody that's working on uh, prospecting for you from a, just in uh, the, their only tool is to make calls or handle mm-hmm. inbound leads, then um, those are, that's an entry level sales position. So you want to make sure that uh, you're, you're keeping them engaged and retaining them, but also keeping in mind that in six months, one of two things is going to happen. They're either they're either going to burn out in the role in the sense of like, okay, I'm tired of just making phone calls yeah. and be itching for the next level of sales, which they'll either find in your organization or somewhere else, mm-hmm. or they're going to need some other reason to continue to stay in that same position. And the only other reason that keeps them in that position is a bigger paycheck. Um, and that bigger paycheck being uh, built through having uh, an incentive program or having, having your commission structure be something very lucrative for them. And what I mean by that is, uh, let's say that for your business, you're looking to get, you're looking to close 50 deals in a given month. Mm 
once they get to 50 deals, everything after that is honestly above goal for you and above plan. So anything above 50 should be paid at, at an accelerator or an accelerated rate okay. uh, for that person that drives them to get past 50. Um, but then also, if you're going to have an accelerator on somebody's commission structure, you want to have uh, an area, a bottom end. Say if the goal is 50, I'd make the bottom end 20. You don't get paid any commission until mm. you hit 20. And then you're paid commission on that previous 20. And then, you know, uh, whatever the cliff is for 20 through 30, 30 through 40. And what that does is if I know, like, you know, what, what happens is you're incentivizing behavior. So if I'm in the middle of the month and, I, and I'm looking at my pipeline as a salesperson and I go, there's no way for me to hit 50. So that's a, since that's a pipe dream, I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to hold over some deals to the next month yeah. and things like that. Um, you want to have these break points along the way. It's like 20, from deal 20 to 30, you're paid $25 per deal. But deal 30 through 40, you're paid $35 a deal. That, uh, that allows me um, to, uh, to, to have, have a, an aggressive mentality to go, okay, well, let me get these next deals pulled in or pull them forward from next month so that I can end up hitting a higher you know, paycheck basically. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally so makes sense. The biggest thing with sales that uh, the biggest advice I'll give when we're thinking about how we pay salespeople uh, mm -hmm. is to make sure you're incentivizing the behaviors that you want to see, and that is that that is paramount to always be checking in on because mm -hmm. salespeople are really good at figuring out how to make money. And they'll only do those things that help them make money and everything else they won't do. I, mean, I agree. A hundred percent. Exactly. So just something to bear in mind there. Uh, a previous example I'll have is uh, that I was, uh, you know, there was a, 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 a goal that you had to hit to be paid. And it was based off of uh, how many, what your correct contact or reach rate was on calls uh, uh -huh. And I had an individual that figured out that there were a couple of phone numbers that nobody ever picked up, but it would go to voicemail. So every day that person made sure to call those like five numbers to help pad their mm. numbers. Well, of course, then I look in the system and I'm like, why did you call the same person every day for the last two months? And they've never even just leaving a voicemail every day. Of course, I'm able to put two and two together. Uh, <laughs> and, and then I started to pull that out of the plans. Like, okay, I'm incentivizing the wrong behaviors. That shouldn't be the behavior that I'm incentivizing, of course. So I'll full stop there on you, uh, and uh, <laughs> let you, uh, you know, guide me into the next area that you want to talk about. No, I really like that because, and, and what you say is, is so true. And it's not just with the salespeople, which I would say not just salespeople. And I would add service techs in there, but service techs in reality are salespeople. They sell themselves and they sell mm -hmm. the company. Um, but the, the parts that they like replacing the parts that they're most comfortable with, you definitely find that that's the ones they push. They, they're definitely changing out the contactors or if they, if you find one that really likes the UV lights and they get, you know, maybe a higher commission, um, for selling a, upselling a UV light, you know, they're pushing UV lights whenever they really should be, you know, inspecting the ductwork and, but that's not the fun part of the job. So <laughs> I totally, totally agree with what you're saying there. 100%. Um, so moving into 
actually hiring salespeople, do you, do you look for a certain personality or I, I, honestly, I feel like based on my history, I've always kind of had the mentality that uh, I don't really like salespeople because whenever I think of a salesperson, I think of like a pushy used car salesperson. Mm -hmm. And when I'm thinking about hiring someone, I'm like, I don't really want that type of person on my staff. Uh, it, what's, what would you say when it comes to actually hiring someone that's quote unquote a salesperson? Yeah, absolutely. So with, uh, when hiring sales folks, um, you know, and again, depending on position, um, if it's mm -hmm. entry level, um, sometimes, uh, you know, I'm hiring people with no previous sales experience. So then it is all based off of soft skills because those are okay. really our two big categories. What are their hard skills and what are their soft skills? So for service techs, um, you know, imagining them as a salesperson and so many are, or most certainly not only selling, um, uh, selling the service, uh, like upsell or they're selling, they're selling the quote, um, they're going right. out, they're looking at, uh, what work needs to be done and convincing the other person that not only is my company the best, you know, to do this, that we're going to provide quality work, but that the quote that I'm giving you is fair. It's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, to, to the, to the, you know, the work that needs to be done. So with these individuals, service techs already have hard skills that you can know about. There are certifications, there's previous work experience. There's just the ability to have a conversation with them and ask, what would you do in this particular situation to, to evaluate that they have the hard skills? Now, the soft skills are the tougher thing to get to, especially in an interview process. It's so often, you know, uh, we're asking questions, listening for answers, and uh, that will make us feel warm and fuzzy about somebody. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately our own human bias comes into that, that scenario far too often. Um, and it's one of those things that uh, you'll see companies a lot um, have almost the same type of people in it. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but some of that can be from the looking across the table. And, and I'll, yeah. and I'll say this, like there's a, there's a construction company in Boston that uh, my buddy works for and just about every person on their leadership team looks uh, has the look of a previous college football player, uh, every <laughs> single one of them. And in yep. the head of the department was a previous college football player. So yep. I think, you know, a lot of times you look at the ta across the table and go, huh, this person reminds me of me. They should, right. we should hire them. So mm -hmm. that can be a danger zone because just because they look like you, talk like you, so on and so forth, doesn't mean that when faced with the reality of a sales situation, they're going to conduct themselves in the same way. So um, this is something when you do behavioral questions, uh, and there are great uh, resources out there, like, uh, for instance, Starbucks does a fantastic job, and you can go online and actually download uh, or find their list of behavioral questions that they ask during the interview process, because so much of their business is about customer service and mm -hmm. how that person's going to be. Same thing with like a Chick-fil-A, um, yeah. you know, and they're very well known for like what their customer service looks like. And some of that is instilled through training, of course, but the personality side is what you want to look for. So there are, of course, this is, this is where I'll make a shameless plug. Cynthia, yeah. this is most certainly what we do. Um, okay. So what we do is soft skill testing. So we actually take the people that are already with inside your organization, say if it was you and I, um, and we're, we're like, if I could hire another Chad, if I could clone Chad, that'd be exactly what I want. 
So mm-hmm. what you would have is your, your Chad or that top performer in your business, um, in your small business, the, you, whoever your top two or three are, have them take our assessment survey. And it's a nine question survey. You take the survey and it builds a success profile based off of the shared characteristics or personality traits of your top performers. And the logic that follows here is uh, if your best performers, whatever their top traits are, their top five or six traits that they share, be it, uh, you know, being gregarious or being more like disciplined and organized, whatever the case is, that. That's what we want to compare all incoming applicants or folks in the interview process to. So uh, when you compare, you know, folks that you don't know to the people that you do know, you start to get a baseline for, well, how much, uh, how closely do these, this, this applicant that I've only, you know, either never spoken to or only spoken to once, how much do they actually match my best people? So that's the easiest way to think about this is our assessments do personality matching, if you will. So if you've already got a great salesperson, then you want to, you kind of want to clone them. That's what right. we, you do. Um, and uh, we bring it to small business. Usually technology like this is reserved for enterprise companies like Starbucks uh-huh. um, who you know are charged hundreds and hundreds of dollars per assessment. We're, we're trying to help small businesses out. We charge 50 cents of an assessment. So when you think about if you've got 20 people that you're considering to have, uh, you know, join into your company for, you know, $10, you can figure out, do they have the right personality to be a part of my particular business? Uh, because every business is unique. Um, you know, and the personality to be successful there is unique inside of it. But Let's say that you're not using our assessments. Let's uh-huh. say that it's just it's just you, a manila folder, and some questions. Um, then the questions that you're trying to ask are going to elicit stories from them because far too often uh, we're, we're looking at experience like, well, tell me when you've done this before, and it's just kind of checking a box. What you want somebody to do is describe the situation and tell and essentially tell you a story about like when they've sold previously and good, good individuals for sales, even if they don't have sales experience, will find a story that they can relate to sales. Um, mm. And that's the kind of, and that already tells you right there, if somebody doesn't have sales, previous sales experience and they're able to pull a story from their past. It's like, Hey, this is when I persuaded somebody to do something that I wanted them to do and are able to unpackage that for you. They're already thinking on their feet. They're already thinking differently about how to deliver on your question, which they're going to need to know in the field. You're going to get you're going to get people on the phone call that are trying to trip you up. They're trying mm-hmm. to you know get you to say something uh, that benefits them. So if you're able to think quickly on your feet, that's a good skill to have. We need that those kind of folks, and then good storytellers because good storytellers are relatable in small business. Um, the advantage that we have over corporations is the fact that we have a personality. We are folksy. We are yeah. able to nurture somebody. So if you're sitting across from the table and somebody isn't able to tell their personal story well, they're going to struggle to tell your business's story. So those, those are some things to look for when you don't have, say, a tech tool to help you, to help you uh-huh. answer, um, and you're just having to do it on your own. So definitely look for good storytellers 
because good storytellers typically are good sales folks. And then there are a lot of things that you can ask around how they organize themselves personally. Just ask them, ask somebody to tell you about their morning. Like once your feet hit the ground, what does your morning look like before you get to work? And you can start to hear you know, the folks that have kind of an organization about themselves, because the morning, um, especially if you've got kids or animals or whatever else, mm-hmm. you're trying to get to the gym, you can hear a lot about what people's priorities are, how they handle the stress of the morning and getting ready for their day. And if they've got good answers to that or give you a warm and fuzzy feeling, then there's a high likelihood that that personal skill of organization is going to transfer to professional organization. I like that. I, I like that a lot. Um, do you find that the, the really good salespeople are really organized? I, I'm thinking back to every time I've experienced um, a, a really good salesperson in air conditioning industry. Um, I feel like most everybody is was rather organized, but there were certain things that they kind of refuse to do. Uh, and I think that <clears throat> that may go back to what you and I were talking about earlier. Uh, if they weren't, um, you know, paid or incentivized to actually do the, uh-huh. that certain paperwork, they probably weren't going to do it because they seen that they could skip that and make more money by not doing the paperwork and then having somebody else actually do it. Or, you know, somebody might raise hell with them about it, but they're still getting paid to do it. Um, do you, does that does that correlate correctly? Um, yeah, well, and then yeah, so uh, it, it it like I, I love salespeople. Um, <laughs> let me go ahead. And put, I'll start off with that. Um, but here's the here's the the good and bad with great sales folks is that they know they're great. Yeah, um, I agree. And, with that. and if they know they're great, then they know that they can get away with certain things because you know being successful. Um, allows allows you a little wiggle room around yeah. the process, and this is a hard thing. And I'll and I'll say I've struggled in certain areas to manage this well because when I've got somebody that's bringing one hundred and fifty thousand dollars into my business on a monthly basis, it's difficult for me to sit here and give them a hard time about filling out paperwork properly. Yeah. But, <laughs> At the same time, rules are rules, process is process, and everybody else has to do it. There's nothing that you're not you you don't have the the right to sit here and consider yourself to be special and not do what the other folks are doing in my business. So it is a it is a frank conversation to have with somebody. But to go to back to the question, yes, organization is key. Um, and the best sales folks are hyper organized because mm-hmm. they understand that most people, you don't sell them with one conversation. You sell them with a series of conversations. So, um, you know, and that requires follow up uh, and follow up is something where a lot of sales, the bad sales folks, the ones that aren't as successful. Yeah. This is where they break down gotcha. um, and don't follow through until they've got that. Yes. Um, so that organization gets you there because then people will give up. They'll, they'll do, and I've had it happen so many times where I get a quote on work and the, the companies that I usually end up going with, not only have they given me a warm, fuzzy feeling, but they actually just, you know, responded, you mm-hmm. know, I, I make an inquiry 
And it's funny, I'll make five inquiries and have three people respond. And then the other two respond like a week later. Well, a mm-hmm. week later, you've already, I'm already done shopping, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, again, lack of organization by their sales folks. That's key. But then also just understand while they're organized, they will reach a point where they realize they're doing a really good job for you and kind of test the fences, if you will, mm-hmm. test the limits. And to bring that back in, that again is that incentivizing behavior thing. It's like, look, uh, you're doing a great job for me. But if you don't do, and here's why I need you to do X, Y, Z. It's like, I understand you don't want to do the paperwork, but when you don't put do the paperwork, you expose us to auditing risk. Mm-hmm. You know, if anybody comes in here, then I'm not able to show them black and white what my business has been doing. And then that could potentially put me out of business and then nobody gets paid. Yep. So, you know, it's all, you know, and then people, people are logical and right. they're in their, their understanding. They'll get that. But until you make it that explicit, they'll, they'll, again, they'll test the system. Yeah. And it's a, it's a hard thing, conversation to have. Like you said, they're bringing in $150,000 a month and you're like, uh, you're not doing a good enough job. (laughs) Uh, but at the same time, if he's bringing in or she's bringing in $150,000 a month and the install department is losing a percentage of net profit because they're having to go back on a job site or something, then you know, that makes the conversation easier. So for anybody that's listening out there, um, that's just one more reason to watch your numbers closely because we all get fixated on that revenue number. And, you know, my goal is a million dollars, my goal is $2 million or my goal is $10 million in the end of the year. Um, but then your net profit, do you have a, you know, a 1% net profit because of, you know, mismanaging that $10 million or, you know, are you running on a 20% net profit, uh, at, at $1 million? I mean, at which one is better, uh, whenever it comes to, um, a mismanaged salesperson. So yeah, I I totally, totally get, get exactly what you're saying. Um, let's move in back into, uh, Cintio a little bit. So you mentioned, um, you touched briefly on testing the soft skills of your ideal person. Uh, do you ever have a situation where you test the soft skills of the owner uh, and say, okay, well, these would be the best match for you? Uh, absolutely. So when you're looking at soft skills, uh, soft skills can be at the, the company level, the department level, and then the position level. And, you know, kind of giving you some examples. So, um, uh, for instance, is and, and I'll bring two big companies into, into mind, uh, is, uh, Salesforce, uh, mm-hmm. and then fresh market. Mm-hmm. Um, it, last year, Salesforce was considered the number one company to work for, um, you know, by, you know, best places to work and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. And then fresh market was considered the worst. Now, if you look at both of these organizations, you'll find reviews from their employees that are both positive and negative. So what that tells me uh, is there are individuals at Salesforce that are that fit the cultural profile of Salesforce and what it takes to be successful there. And then at Fresh Market, there are also people that fit the profile to be there and enjoy working there. And then conversely, there are folks at Salesforce that don't like the culture and don't like working there or weren't set up for success or what have you. And same at Fresh Market. So taking that, taking that example, what I'm trying to say is this. No two companies are alike. So, and a lot of that is 
from the top down how they look. Uh, the ownership sets the tone, if you will. Mm-hmm. If they're not the ones out actually out there being the personality, then they're dictating to someone else, this is how I want my business run. Mm-hmm. So as an individual coming into a business, um, you know, judgment aside, the, you know, your business could be really successful, but the way that you run it, I don't, I don't adapt well to, it doesn't fit my personality. It doesn't fit how I like to do business. So for me, what that looks like is I'm, I'm an individual who doesn't enjoy being micromanaged. Most people would agree with, I say a lot of people would probably agree with that statement, but oftentimes there are people out there that need to be micromanaged and businesses that have to have be very task oriented and micromanaged. So if your personality doesn't fit there, so uh, for instance, for me is I'm, I'm not built for corporations. I'm built for small business. I don't, uh, I don't thrive well when, you know, I have to kind of throttle my work. I've got to move slowly because, Mm -hmm. you know, corporations kind of move slowly. I like to move quickly um, and like things like blockers to be pulled out of my way so I can get my job done. That happens more in small business. So, uh, again, going back to your question with the owner being tested, that's absolutely something to do. Um, and you know, the owner and I'll, I'll use us. Sentio is a small business. And when we were, and I just, uh, had two new hires come on board last week and one of them actually in sales, um, what we did is the, the, the leadership team all took an assessment and we built a success profile based off of the leadership team's personality. And from there, we wanted the first people that we hired in our business to, to be like us because we, we knew we had that startup mentality and mm-hmm. that small business mentality where you, you, you don't work just 40 hours a week. You work 60 hours a week right. and, uh, and you, uh, and it's one of those things that you, um, you know, let stuff kind of roll off of you, um, because you're, you're grinding mm-hmm. and all this kind of good stuff. So when, and it's so funny, um, I've done, I've hired hundreds of people throughout my career and I, I have gotten pretty adept at kind of giving a grading scale mm-hmm. to an individual and being like, they're not bad. They're, they're <laughs> like, a B, you know, or like this person's most certainly an A uh-huh. kind of thing. And usually when they get in the business, then they also match that I've had, you know, two or three that in, you know, that the skills match with the personality didn't when they got in there, uh-huh. uh, in the business. But, um, what I found our software to do when we used our profile, um, the folks that I thought were going to be rock stars, uh, they turned out to get a Sentio score that was, you know, 9.5, 9.7, you know, in that a range uh-huh. out of a, a one to 10 scale. And then the folks that I thought would be a B, were 8.5, 8.3. And then there was a, there was a particular individual that uh, took the assessment that I, I, I did not think had the, the, the right makeup mm-hmm. to, for the role. And they were a 3.2. Oh, you wow. know? So it, it's one of those things that, you know, for us, our software is, uh, it most certainly backs up good gut instinct, uh-huh. uh, in an objective way. But the, the big thing is like nowadays, if you open up a sales position, I assure you, you're going to get 50 applications. And if you get 50 applications, that's 50 people to review. And that's a lot of time for a small business owner. So, you know, what we're doing is like what it saved me from 
is I got 150 applications for a marketing role I opened up. So instead of going through 150, you know, in a, in a, in a thoughtful manner, our system helped me narrow it down to 10 people who I was actually able to look at thoughtfully and not spend hours and hours and hours to hire somebody. Um, so yeah, it's now going to a concise uh, answer to your question, most certainly uh, testing the leadership team is a good thing. And uh, it's something that we've done ourselves. Cool. Cool. I love that. Um, whenever you, when you do the testing profile and everything, is it um, based on, or is it loosely based on any kind of like this profile or have you heard of the flag testing, um, mm-hmm. like personality test? So uh, the interesting thing about us, um, and I, and I say this, uh, uh, very, very, uh, bluntly is we presume to know nothing, Okay, which is a funny thing to say about a, a company that does testing. It's like, <laughs> shouldn't you be um, but, um, what I mean by that is there are assessments out there that presume to know what makes a good salesperson. Okay. And the problem that I have with that is some of the things that we've actually already previously spoken about, um, you know, uh, and goes to like your profile of, a, of your stereotypical or what people usually imagine as a salesperson is a used car salesperson. Yes. Uh, well, you know, my mom actually sells cars uh-huh. at uh, the BMW dealership on Savannah Highway. Well, no and, offense to your mom earlier. No, no, well, no. I would tell you that the BMW salespeople here in Savannah at Kreitz are the by far best salespeople <laughs> ever. They don't sell uh, like a normal salesperson. <laughs> I want to see them. There you go. Because, and she she's selling new cars. She's different then it takes a different because she's working with a different audience. She's working with a different consumer with a different product than say, you know, uh, the used car dealership down the street that's working with a different audience selling a different product. So the skill set, the soft skill set is very different. My, my mom, to use her as an example, is more of a farmer than a hunter. So she's not very aggressive and being that farmer side of things, which, you know, it, it, her personality matches the audience that's coming in. They want to have more of a luxurious experience and be more relaxed and not feel pushed into something and take their time to make a decision. All things that, you know, with my, you know, that mother level of patience, she's able to do. Um, but you know, if you were to use another assessment like these disc profiles and things like that, it would say, that the salesperson at BMW should be exactly the same as the salesperson at an HVAC company, which doesn't make any sense because those are two different people selling two completely different things to in, in two completely different use cases. So when I say we presume to know nothing, what I mean by that is when we start with hiring, we look at what is your business need? So when you build, like say, when we built the success profile on our own business, um, we used the leadership team in here. So we used actual employees that were already working there that were able then to say, well, this is the personality of the business. These people have already been successful here. So let's go find more people that match up with that personality kind of thing. So, um, I really like that. It's, and it's funny that you say even like the motherly, mentality of your mom, you know, selling BMW. When we purchased, we purchased a couple of BMWs here locally and our salesperson, she's 
exactly like that. When you go in there, she's like, don't you worry about a thing. You know, we'll get this taken care of. And, you know, if you ever have a problem, you know, you have a loner and that type of thing. And it's not, there's no rushing, rush, rush, pressure, this, that, or the other. And if you, if she went in applying for a job at a typical, like buy here, pay here, used car lot, she, I feel like she would be the person answering the phone and put it behind a desk somewhere, you know, to do paperwork versus being the actual salesperson. And, and she closes 50 cars a month. I mean, there's something crazy high. I mean, she's a really good salesperson here locally. Yeah, no. And you, you've hit the nail on the head, like uh, different, different uh, businesses, you know, and, and then within that business, different positions with inside of it require different skill sets. So by being, by being agnostic um, in terms of the success profile and using, letting your business determine, letting your current top performing employees determine what the success profile is for your business allows us to be extremely tailored to say your HVAC company. Um, so, uh, you know, at that point you can trust um, to, you know, to a very reasonable degree that the person coming in is going to at least exhibit the characteristics of your top performing employees. Now, can we, are we going to be able to tell you that they've got the certifications that they right. need and the hard <laughs> No, um, unfortunately not. But, you know, we're able to clear a lot of the noise out because, you know, in this job market, you've got, you've got a lot of applications that are going to come in the second you open it up. Mm -hmm. People, uh, people who are even in a tight job market, uh, you know, it doesn't take long. If somebody's in a bad situation or not in the right fit, people are looking for that next job. Yeah. I mean, I literally, I, I read, actually it was a post that, that y'all shared on LinkedIn and it said that, uh, it was a, an article that said that the Gallup um, said that more than two thirds of all U.S. employees are disengaged from their current job. Um, additional research, I'm reading verbatim because I actually have it pulled up just by chance on my phone. But uh, it, it said that additional research from Indeed reveals that 71 percent of workers are either open to a different job or actively looking for another job. Um, and that's true. They even though they're not happy. Uh, or even though they're not, um, they haven't quit. They're not considered unemployed. They're not happy with where they're at. So I totally, mm -hmm. totally agree with that. And it, what happens is, and this goes to the, to the, let's call it the personality of your business. You know, most people would just say your culture. Um, every business has a personality. Every business has a culture, whether you're working on it or not, or, 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 you know, or buying into the, the whole, okay, well, you know, and it, it's true millennials and then your Gen Zers coming up, they want to have meaning behind what they do. The days of just like going in and collecting a paycheck and being a cog in the machine are still here, but, but the generation coming up is putting more pressure on the employer to give them purpose, to give them meaning. So then people get dissatisfied because they end up being in the wrong match. They're in the wrong business. So I, I, I firmly believe that that 71% of people that are not currently fully engaged with their job, which I, I think you have to be fully engaged with your job to do an exceptional job at it. Those individuals are probably at a place that they they were recruited in and sold the dream and thought, okay, this is this is what this place is like. Uh -huh. 
And then they got there and realized, well, no, this isn't really what that place is like, or it doesn't match my personality or the, this job in particular doesn't, it doesn't set me up for success. And when you're not feeling like you're set up for success, then what's the opposite? You feel like you're being set up for failure and nobody likes that and, and they'll look to run. So the, this is the problem that, of course, Cintio is trying to solve is to get down to the personal level of things and go, okay, what's the pulse of your actual business? And does this applicant that wants to, that you're going to hire and start paying money for at least a month before you realize that you shouldn't have hired them? <laughs> uh, like, you know, what can we tell you about them beforehand? And that's the scary thing about this is like, once you bring somebody in, if you're not doing any testing on them beforehand, you're going to send, you're going to give them money. And at a moment where you're like, Oh, I don't think this is going to work <laughs> out. But you you don't immediately fire them because you had you feel like oh let me give them a chance, and then a month later you're like yep no you weren't yep, right and I definitely not a good fit. Like I was pretty sure, but now right. I'm a hundred percent sure. Now that I've spent four, five, ten grand on uh, you, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and then nobody wants and wasted a bunch of time too because like by the time you to hire one employee, when you think about phone screening and bringing them in for an interview and reviewing their resume like that just to hire one person that's you know hours and hours and hours worth of your time which if you're a small business owner it, that means i didn't i didn't get to do something that helps my business in the sense of like actually bringing in revenue i'm i'm you know this this indirectly helps but then it also usually folks are like whenever i was hiring for the restaurant space I'm doing this after hours. So what that means is I'm not at my kid's soccer match. I'm not at home with my wife. I'm not, I don't know, God forbid, getting to go out and enjoy myself, you know, go kayaking or whatever else. So that's, those are the things that a bad hire, those are the tangible and intangible things that really kind of suck the wind out of us and make us jaded oh, yeah. in the hiring process when really the hiring process is the opportunity to continue to have your business grow and to do a great thing and like, and, and expand and, and expand your livelihood for somebody else. So it should be an exciting time that has gotten painful over the years. And we're trying to remove that pain. Now. I love that. I love what you said there, um, that it, you get jaded because I feel like there's a ton of guys that will be listening to the, or girls that'll be listening to this podcast that are riding around, um, their one man shops or, or one, one lady shops. And maybe they have one person in the office, but they're so jaded. Like they, they could be doing so much more, but the hiring process has just jaded them. So they're like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to ride around. I'm going to catch my service calls and then, you know, make my money. And at the end of the day, I'll just, you know, take it all, you know, take a break and, you know, call it quits for the night. And, um, but some, some day they won't be able to climb through attics anymore. And, and, you know, that's in the back of your mind, uh, as a, a one owner truck and, or, a you know, um, uh, owner operator. Uh, and I hate it whenever I talk to people and they are in that mindset of, um, you know, just can't find good help, you know, millennials suck, uh, all this other <laughs> stuff. Like yep. I hear that all the time. And, and, you know, honestly, I'm a millennial, so I laugh, I chuckle every time. And they're, they're like, how do you have success? And, you know, you know, how do you hire millennials? And I was like, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm a millennial. <laughs> I don't know. And then they're like, wait a minute, you're a millennial. Like, yes, yep. I'm a millennial. And, and uh, so I, I could, 
honestly, you're so full of knowledge. I could ask you a thousand questions. I don't want this podcast to last forever and ever. Um, so I'll, <laughs> I'll end this with the last question here. Um, what, uh, what's your thoughts on, you know, talking about millennials, uh, the thought that every 18 months they're looking to change, or I've, I've heard that they're looking to change jobs every 18 months, or you have to sell them on your job every or your uh, business every 18 months. Yeah. You know, my, my thoughts there are that's, that's not inaccurate. Um, and it's, and it's one of those things that I think, uh, uh, it's not just millennials. Um, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's employment, uh, being in, being an employee means being engaged. Now, um, anybody that you have, that's not pushing you every 18 months, uh, for more development or is showing you that they're hungry, that should be concerning to you. Um, you know, because, and I'm not saying that, that, that means go put them in another job or anything else, but if they're, <clears throat> you know, and for most positions, if they're not looking to continue to develop themselves or expand their role within the business, then that one of two things is going on. Either your business itself isn't expanding. So there's no room for personal expansion, uh, from a responsibility standpoint. So that should be scary. Um, or, or your business is growing and then the person isn't asking to to level up or or asking for more responsibility, so that should also be scary. So either way you look at it, either either you're not making your business isn't growing, or the people with inside your business aren't growing with it. So uh, with that in mind, it, it's uh, the the only time that I say shut that down is when somebody's trying to they 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 have this and and I'll be very blunt this undeserved sense that they des- that they they should be given something now that's unacceptable but if you, if you're if if we're working together and you're telling me like hey right now I'm 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 going to you know grind it for you and make all these calls and handle all this paperwork to 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 help us do more service uh, units, then absolutely, that's great. But I want to develop into an actual tech. Like, and I, I would love your help and giving me experience along the way to get there. Like, what does that, and then having that conversation, what does it look like to get me out in the field? What does it look like to get me here kind of thing? And that's that's an engaged employee when they're having those kind of conversations. And if they're if you're not having those conversations, then, yes, there's a possibility that they'll go have that conversation with your competitor. And that's when we 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 lose good talent. Now, I'll, I'll say this, though, if they're not worth it, then let them ride. Let them go somewhere else. I'd rather a bad employee go to my competitor than keep them. Of course, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let, let them deal with it. So, uh, with that, but mind, some some guys, I feel like they 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 have the mentality of uh, it's the devil they know versus the one they don't, and, and that goes back to bad hiring. You know, bad hiring practices is like, well, they're they're a terrible employee, but um, I've had worse, so I don't want to accidentally get a. The, a worser one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> after after this guy's. <laughs> well, what I love to do in those situations is go ahead and like you got to ask yourself: is this is this not going well because of this person? Uh, you know, or like the the process that I have them in, um, or, or is it the person? Sometimes it's the process. Sometimes it's the person. Yeah, so, I love that. I love to have 
is somebody to, for them to compete against. If you've got one person doing outbound calls for you, go ahead and hire a second one. And then you'll look at the two of them and go, well, you know, again, is this a pro? If they're both failing, it's a process thing, more than likely. Um, if one of them's doing well and the other isn't, that's a personal thing. And then, you know, which one to go ahead and either move into a different role or move them outside of your organization. So, uh, yeah, I really like that. I, a lot of times, I'll uh, I'll ask myself, and I tell people to ask themselves, um, would you would you hire this person again tomorrow if they weren't working for you? And if the answer is no, go ahead and fire them, or you know, move them in the, in the organization somewhere else. Yeah, so you got to start having an exit strategy there, and that's a great question to easily ask. And if there's any hesitation, then you've yep. got it at a minimum. You've got at least a B player. And yep. those folks, you're trying to get them to an A and all, all your employees. Now, will your entire company be all A players? Absolutely not. Not everybody gets to be the Tom Brady on the team or something like that. They, you know, um, they, you know, you're going to have B players, but you know, your A players, the reason that you keep engaging them is because they know they're in A players and A players will get poached to somewhere else. So that's, that's the person you want to know is great and keep them the other ones. You know, you're always trying to develop and if they leave you, it's not a, it's not a huge dent to the business. Yeah. I love it. Thank you, Chad. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, if anybody is listening and they want to use your product, um, what, what's the best way for them to reach out and, and experience Cintio? Absolutely. So we, you know, of course we believe in our product. Uh, so we give it away for free for 14 days. So if you're currently trying to hire somebody, um, then you can go ahead and go to our website. It's mycentio.com, which is M-Y-S-E-N-T-I-O.com. And go ahead and sign up for a free trial for 14 days. No, we don't even ask you to put a credit card in or anything like that. And start evaluating. You can evaluate your own team right now. You can evaluate the applicants coming in. And uh, we definitely have had uh, plenty of people do this. Um, and we've got, you know, actively, uh, you know, a fair amount of people in trial actively doing uh, a current hire and then calling us up and saying, OK, it works. So let's keep it going. So, of course, we want to continue to work with you, but go out there, use us for free for now and see how it works for your business. Um, of course, we're here to help you along the way. But um, uh, again, for me, I, I really appreciated being on this podcast today. I, I hope to uh, come back and share any more knowledge that I can on the hiring and sales process. Uh, and definitely, uh, I love talking about marketing for small business as well, which is the next step. Once you've got somebody in the door that's good, now we've got to continue to sell the business. Cool. We'll definitely have you back on for marketing, if nothing else. But thank you again for, for being on the podcast and, uh, and we'll talk again shortly. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Service Business Mastery Podcast. Please don't forget to leave us a review on your Google Play Store or iTunes. However you're listening to this podcast, please don't forget to leave us a review. It really helps us out with ensuring that we're ranked properly and that we're able to continue to offer valuable content. Thanks again. Have a great day. We'll see you next week.